This is Michael Badgley, and you're listening to the Chargers Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Chris Harry with you on a Week 16 edition of Chargers Weekly here on the Chargers Podcast Network. Coming up, our Beat Writers Roundtable featuring Jeff Miller of the LA Times, Gilbert Manzano of Southern California News Group, and Daniel Popper of The Athletic. Plus, another edition of UniTalk with Chargers Assistant Equipment Manager Kevin Duddy. But first, we chat with a couple of members of the Chargers Running Backs Room. All right, here in the locker room with Derek Watt. First alternate Pro Bowl? Yeah, yeah, excited about it. Um, you know, I wasn't even on the ballot uh, for special teams, so to, to be, come up as, as the first alternate was, was pretty special. Um, would have loved to, to be the guy, the starter there, but, um, you know, Matthew Slater's a great player and has established himself as a, a great special teamer in this league and um, has had another good season. So, You still lead the league in special teams tackles, but to have a guy like Matthew Slater in front of you who's done it for a long time, and you never know, man. You never know what the future holds here in January. Yeah, um, like you said, he, he's he's a tremendous player. He's established himself. So I mean, to be in the conversation with him is is um, you know is special. Um, and yeah, you never know. You know whether they make it to the Super Bowl or something happens in the next coming month or so. Um, I could still be there, and, and I would love to be there. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens. And it would be my first time at the Pro Bowl, so I'd, I'd be pretty excited about that for sure. I know that this isn't the season you guys all envision, but you know, as a family, to see what, what TJ's doing this year, what JJ's done, obviously, and for you to be mentioned in these Pro Bowl conversations, to have all the Wad brothers, um, that's a very high honor at the highest level. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, TJ's having himself an incredible year. Um, I think a defensive player of the year type year. And JJ's had those years in the past, and he had a tremendous year until he got hurt. So, you know, and he's looking to, you know, with the Texans season they're having, they're gonna they're looking like they could have a great shot in the playoffs. And um, there's a chance he might come back and, and be able to, you know, help them out in the, in the playoff run they're trying to make. So, you know, just a, an exciting time for our family. Like you said, we're all we're all kind of doing what we dream to do, and you know what we what we were hope to do as kids, and it's all kind of come to fruition. And then finally, how do you guys just turn things around Sunday? Uncharacteristic with the, with the seven turnovers, getting back against a division rival, try to get division win number one. Yeah, um, that wasn't us. Last week wasn't us. It was just kind of. It was it was weird. It wasn't our game. It wasn't you know who we are by any means. And so we we're trying to bounce back. And like you said, just just come out here today and get better on the field today. And and you know look ahead to Oakland and, and try to like you said get that first division win of the year. You know that's uh, we we got to get one. So you know we gotta we gotta do everything we can to to win this week. Well, heck of a season out of you, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, here with running back Justin Jackson. Justin, obviously not the results you guys wanted last week, but you, you got on the field. How you feeling, man? Feel good. It was good to be back out there, um, you know, with the squad. I was just trying to, you know, make an impact where I can. Like you said, not the result we wanted, but, you know, we got two more games, and right now we're focusing out on uh, getting a win against Oakland, division rival. I know how tight this running backs room is. You see the year that Austin's had and, yeah. and Derek being a first alternate. What does it mean to be around guys like that? And obviously Mel goes without saying. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome, man. Uh, I think we have a lot of ambition in our room. And um, obviously we all, I think we all feed off of each other's success too. And so we're always rooting for each other. And, you know, it's next man up type mentality. So whenever you're in the game, it don't matter if you're a starter or whatever, second, third string, you're in the game. So you got to make an impact. And that's kind of how, you know, we look at it. And obviously you have a guy like Austin who probably has, I mean, just. Already may have got snubbed a little bit, do you yeah, think? Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, 
That's why I was, we were just talking about in the room. I was like, they should have some type of like flex position because I mean, this guy has like 1,300 yards, total yard, 1,400 yards, 11 touchdowns. Like, that's definitely Pro Bowl worthy, you know what I mean? But I don't know, maybe people are like, oh, I don't know what slot to put on a running back, receiver, like whatever, like, but it doesn't really matter. It's just a great idea, though, man. Flex, maybe maybe we're going to start something here. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you can get that credit to me, and maybe I get a little uh, kickback on that. Huh? <laughs> I like that. Finally, uh, finishing this season strong, final home game against a division rival. I know you guys want to get a win here in the AFC West. Oh, yeah, yeah. Most definitely, um, you know, whenever you play a team like Oakland, it doesn't it for me i mean it's just the way i feel and it was really like that in college too it doesn't matter what your record is when you're playing a, a rival uh, that game's always goes down to the wire it's always testy um no matter what your records are so i think we're all definitely excited for that like you said last game and uh, you know we'll say goodbye to that and obviously move into our our new stadium next year but for right now we're focused on getting that last one Justin appreciate it man and if there is a flex position in the pro bowl we got tape yeah we got tape you got proof man you got proof <laughs> All right, let's get to these questions, y'all boys. Yo, Jack boys, how do you get the girls? What does it takes to get the girls? <laughs> no fake energy. No oh fake. God. I hate fake energy. Chargers fans, be sure to check out Dear Jack Boys presented by Pepsi and take all football celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown or a defensive stop on the goal line, when it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. Pepsi, a proud sponsor of the Los Angeles Chargers, reminds you to always be celebrating. All right, we're back with some more uni talk with assistant equipment manager Kevin Duddy. Haley Elwood with me. Kevin, last week went really well. We're having Good you morning. back, buddy. Yeah, thanks. Good to be here. So it's Raiders week. I know we just went from the Royals. Now the powder is this week. What do you have to do to get back on schedule here? Uh, well, we had to change all the lightning bolts on the helmets because when we wore the rush uniforms, they were, they were different bolts than, the, than our normal ones. They don't have the powder blue insert in them. So we changed all the bolts on Monday, and uh, that's all we really had to do to get to get you know ready for this week. As far as how subtle of a change is that? It's you know it's it's pretty subtle. You know yeah. you have to really be looking to to be able to tell. You know, but it's it's cool. It's clean looking. You know, but we got all the powder jerseys ready to go and all the all the pants ready to go. So we're we're ready to play. We're ready to play a game right now. Let's go. Last time in the powders this season, right? Yeah, last time. Last mm-hmm. time we've got whites next week, so this is it. It is exciting, though, when the team announced that they were the primary uniform for this season because that's just – it's one of those iconic looks for this team. Mm-hmm. So it's been cool to see it more on the regular this yeah. year. It, it, you can't go wrong with any of the uniforms no. for the Chargers no. now. But you, you know what? The, I mean, the you know the NFL show, the top ten? We were – you know we were the number one uniform in our powders. They voted. That, that was a couple yeah. years ago they did yeah. that show, but we were number one in all of, on all of football, and that's all including all the throwback uniforms, everything. So, I take it a step further and say all of sports. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there, it's such a good look. There's there's a lot of iconic looks in sports, but the powder yeah. blues. Yeah, I remember being a kid and watching Chargers games on Sunday, and when the powder when they'd wear the powders, it was like the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. Like it was one of those things, like oh, they're in the powder blues today. Like it was just so cool. And so again, to see it kind of throughout the season and more, and it was cool. You know, two years ago we wore them on Thanksgiving. Last year we took them to London. This year to wear them more. It's again, it's just a good look. Yeah, and if you think about it, if you were to take the the bolt off the helmet. And, or the Chargers and the jerseys, everything that shows that it's a Charger uniform, you still know it's us. Yeah. Whereas right. if when we wore the navies, oh, is that the Broncos? Is that mm-hmm. the Charger? You know what I mean? It's our own color. 
Granted, Carolina does wear like a powder, but it's not the same combination. Detroit's is different. It's the Honolulu blue or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Ours is Italy blue, technically. Oh, is that what it's yeah. called? Italy oh. blue. That's the fun fact of the that day. That is a fun Italy fact blue. of the day. No, it's Italy blue. Kevin, Oakland Raiders, for the last time, Yeah, being in this organization for almost three decades, you have to have a lot of memories of playing these guys. Yeah, it's been a it's been a battle with them for so long. Even when I was a kid with Raider fans, I'm a Charger fan, and it it's always been a we're, we've been rivals forever. So um, yeah, I tell you, going to Oakland is a special place. I'll, I we had our last game there a little little while ago. I'll miss going there. It was pretty pretty awesome place. Well, only place like that in in, in the NFL, AFC West. The whole trip for you guys next year is going to be completely different with Vegas yeah, yeah. and then a new stadium here in Los Angeles. Yeah, completely different. Uh, and for the better, too, because Oakland Stadium, that, that, was a, that was a tough place to work out of because the locker room was it was the smallest in the NFL. It was, it's, it was really made for baseball, so it's a really small locker room, and uh, it's really hard to work out of. So we won't miss that part of it. <laughs> You know, it was the but new one. I'm the, sure will be big. The, the the nostalgia of it, like Haley, you and I have talked about yeah. how there's certain stadiums mm-hmm. in the National Football League where you you go in and you're just like, man, this is this is cool. I remember getting to Oakland Coliseum very early for our Thursday night game, and just the silence, yeah, of being there in the hallway. It's just like, man, this is a place where a lot of iconic games have taken place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know I was doing that too. The because it was our last time there. I was walking around and walking the end zone. I'm like, this is where Rodney Harrison depleted Jerry Rice right here in this end zone. We got a big flag for it. And um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of big things have happened there. You know, it's where LT ran a touchdown for in overtime to win the game. You know, so yeah, it, it's it's a unique place. Did you ever have any run-ins with the black hole? Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're standing within. 10 yards of the black hole you're yeah. gonna hear them yeah you're gonna have and, a run uh, yeah and, and throughout my job you know a lot of times i'm standing right there but over the years I, I became less intimidated by it and i actually enjoyed it so i would i would purposely try to get near the black hole and just open my ears and just take it in and just listen to all the profanity laced you know insults that were thrown my way it's kind of like philip rivers had said that before our thursday night game in terms of you go to a place like that and he'd been there however many times throughout the 16 years that he's been in the league and he goes you kind of take a mental note of like the characters mm-hmm. that sit in those same seats that have been there year in and year out you know i think when i think black hole like gorilla rilla is yeah. the first per, you know person gorilla character <laughs> no. that comes to my mind but it's true there are they're like legacy people that just sit there and it's crazy that that's done now and if you They'll think, probably travel but i'm sure they if will you think so if they're cussing at duddy oh yeah imagine what they're doing to the players yeah you know? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's just like blood in the water. If you're if you're around there, and especially like so a lot of times I was the only person standing there, so that's mm-hmm. why I hear it. You know, so but if you're standing near there, they'll they'll get you. You know, and a lot of times I would have to run in during the game if a guy needed something, I'd have to run in. And one side of the black hole was a lot more ferocious than the other, mm-hmm. and I would purposely run past because I can't run across the field. I got to run behind the end zone, and they'll be right next to that black hole. And it's during the game when they're really juiced up, and I would run by there and just hear everything. It was so funny. <laughs> uh, I love that. I have to imagine the routine. You know, Chris Smith, quit manager yourself, Chad Tasso, guys who've been there for quite a quite a bit of time. When you think about AFC West now, it's Vegas, Kansas City, and Denver. 
How does that mindset for you guys change? You guys have to be creatures of habit, knowing that you're going to be going to Oakland every year. Now it's different. And now the Chargers are going to be in SoFi. Yeah, it's different. I mean, when I first started, the Raiders were in L.A. So if mm-hmm. of all the AFC West franchises, we're used to this one, you know, moving around. Moving around. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be a little different if it was Kansas City or, or Denver. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a welcome change, though. You know, it's going to be awesome over there. It's going to be a great new stadium they got over there. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. You know, and, and shoot, that's that's the, one of the best destinations in the United States. So it's, it'll be interesting because there'll be a lot of Charger fans that go to those games, whereas there wouldn't be a lot of Charger fans that go to Oakland. You know what I mean? So that'll be interesting for when we play them because it'll, it'll be a little different. Vegas you know, is a destination. Mm-hmm. It'll right. be a lot more in our favor, that environment, than was in Oakland. That forty-minute trip from yeah. LAX to Vegas. Yeah. Shoot, if I was a fan, I'd go. No hands down. Yeah, go get there. In, get out. Yeah, go to Vegas for the weekend and then go see a uh, football game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be awesome. SoFi is going to be a palace, and that locker room has to be probably the nicest locker room you guys will be in. Oh yeah, I mean it, it's beautiful. I just saw um, some video of it the other day, and the locker room's really coming along. Um, it's it's going to be the nicest locker room we've ever had as a franchise, you know, in our history. So it's it's beautiful. It's spacious. It's, you know, it's got all the bells and whistles. So yeah, give it's, us a it's sneak preview. Nice. You got yeah, a bell or a whistle? A picture. What do we got right now? Well, it's just this massive room. It's kind of futuristic. One looking. bell, one whistle. Yeah, one bell, one whistle. Uh, it's kind of it's got a kind of futuristic vibe to it, you know. Um, you know, it's got like an island in the middle. It has flat screens around it, and and uh. You know, it's got a lot of lockers, which is good for us because mm-hmm. you got to fit everybody in there comfortably. Um, we have our own equipment room in there, which we didn't have at, at the, you know, Dignity Health. So um, that's great for us because we, we, now we can leave, you know, trunks there. If we play two games in a row, we can leave a lot of our equipment there, us and the trainers, you know, stuff that we don't need during the middle of the week. So that helps us. And uh, it's just, it's, it's going to be great. There's, there's a locker room for the ball boys. Nice. It's never happened you before. You know, there's a there's there's little things like little nuances that that's going to be pretty neat. And it's going to be really strange to be playing indoors, which is going to be great. Hey, the, we're going to have that one game where it's pounding rain outside and mm-hmm. we're sitting there and we can hear the rain hitting the roof and we're going to be like, "Oh, this is great." But it's an interesting concept because it's an indoor outdoor. Yeah. So like the top is covered, but then it's coming through on the sides, though. Maybe not rain yeah. flying sideways, but it still will have that kind of open air feel, which is very cool for Southern California. I think it's awesome. Sense. Well, I think the main thing is, you know, we played in Minnesota in their new stadium. Yes. And the roof is is it was told it was, it's like almost like the the like the um what you would you would have like on a drum, right? Mm-hmm. It's just this thin material that it. But in the, in Minnesota, there's four layers of it because it has to be able to hold the the, the weight of the snow. Ours is going to have one layer. Mm-hmm. So, and when, in Minnesota, my point is, there was a lot of sunlight. It felt like a day, you know, it yeah. felt like you were not in a dome. Our place is going to be even more so. So, mm-hmm. it's not going to feel like you're indoors. That's the cool thing. And you're going to have breeze coming through, you know. So, it's, it's going to be really cool. I, that's that's going to be pretty revolutionary to see is, is be inside a stadium, but not feel like you're inside. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Kevin, last week you were on, we asked for some questions. Yeah. You know, we wanted the people to ask you questions, maybe some inside stuff mm-hmm. that would be interesting. Haley, I think, has them fired up. Yeah. So we got one from Brian Taylor. We got a couple from him, but we'll throw them out there. So in regards to helmets, knowing it's a group effort for such massive changes, 
how much time does it take to change face masks and decals on helmets? It'll take the decals will probably take about three hours or so. And the face masks, that takes a little longer. So, I mean, it, it's about a half day's work to do mm-hmm. it all, you know. And we try to get all hands on deck and, and crank it out. But, yeah, it takes about a half a day to do all that stuff. And how many guys are working on that at one time? Oh, it, when it comes to the face masks, there's usually – it's usually three of us okay. that, are, that are doing it, mm-hmm. face masks and bolts. You know, primarily Chris and I will hit the bolts. Yeah. You know, but um, – yeah, it's a it's a process, but hey, it, it looks good. Yeah, it looks you know? good. And then, in speaking of those lightning bolt decals, how many sets will the team typically go through during a season? Oh, we'll go through uh, weekly. We probably change about four or five of them weekly. The bolts, so the on decals, the yeah, because they're, they're decals. And hey, if you, if if you get they can get chipped. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of our protocols. If if the bolt is chipped off in any in any way, shape, or form, we'll replace it. Didn't you say a player got one completely yeah, we ripped had, off? We had a game last year where a player got he just got grazed just at the right angle where it, it took the paint off his off his shell. Because our shells are painted white. Because mm. they have a little hint of metallic in, in Yeah, the they're paint. kinda sparkly. Yeah, they're sparkly. Mm-hmm. And um he really, and you, you can see that in a day game if you really look closely, you can sell that. But anyway, he got hit just at the right angle, and, and it shaved the paint off the surface of the, of the shell, and it was paint running under the bolt. So the so he's running around with no bolt on his helmet, which was crazy. I'd yeah. never seen that. We had navy face masks at the time, so it looked like a Penn State player running around the field. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. So for me, when I have to put a new screen protector on my iPhone, that is like. So much concentration freaks me out that I'm never going to get it right the first time. How long did it take you to really feel comfortable with putting the bolts mm. on the helmets? The you right know, I way? love that you said that. <laughs> well, my, speaking of niche right here, I, I would be awful at that job. Really. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. If, <laughs> if you're using that as the analogy, it's not no. great. But that's the only real world thing I could equate no. it to. <laughs> well, you know, you have you have a bolt on each side of the helmet, yes. and they have to be perfect. Symmetrical. They, they have to be symmetrical. So my thing is, uh, you know, I I use parts of the helmet to because every helmet's a little different uh-huh. you know you, you have you have like yeah, that's four different point. brands you have in each if, if it's a medium shell compared to an XL shell well the bolt's going to go a, just a little differently mm-hmm. on it you know because um, it's it's all about the angles and the height and but I'll use I'll use like a I'll use my thumb next it's kind of hard to describe but okay. like I'll use like my thumb next to this little little piece in the front and that the width of my thumb is where the bolt's going to going to gonna lie mm-hmm. you know so basically i make every make it so it's consistent yeah it's every every helmet's the same but it's all about when the when you lay the first one down then you lay the second one down they got to end at the same place mm-hmm. and you know sometimes hey if it's it could be like i get really kind of strict with it where if yeah. it's just a little bit off i'll redo it you know and change the angle slightly to Do make they sure come off easy yeah they come off easy okay. you know Okay. And, I, and once I get it on there, I'll really kind of yeah. stick it down. But three decades almost into this business, you got to be pretty good at it now. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been doing it the whole way through. You know, <laughs> it's a pro. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's fun. I, when I was a kid in high school, I, in elementary school, I'd draw charger helmets with the lightning bolts. You know, I was obsessed with the lightning bolt. I always draw it, and so now to be the guy that puts them on the helmets, it still like resonates with me. And I was putting bolts on helmets when I was 15 when I started this mm-hmm. thing. And I was still doing it now. And I still, like, sometimes I'll put it on and be like, oh, this is awesome. How's <laughs> you know? your screen protector game? 
Uh, it's good. It's very good. Yeah, it, it, it falls to other, th- other things in life. You know what I mean? Detail. somebody detail, in the building that may be able to help me out with yeah. that. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to find here. Um, Fans, ask Duddy. I like the hashtag ask Duddy. If you have it. a question for Kevin in next week's finale, uh, regular season finale of Chargers Weekly, I think next week we could talk about what happens when the season ends what the responsibilities yep. of the equipment team are. I'm sure you guys have a lot to button up and yeah. and uh, and figure out as we head into 2020 in a new stadium. So, Kevin, it's always a pleasure, man. Like I said, the people wanted you back, and we delivered. <laughs> Got you. Hey, I love I love doing this. is awesome. So, thanks ne- for having me. See you next week. Yeah, sounds good. All right, guys, we know you love the Chargers, but you also probably love saving money, too. And Mercury Insurance can help you with that because Chargers fans save an average of $769 with Mercury. That'll get you great seats for the next game and jerseys for the whole family, too. So what are you waiting for? Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com to see how much you could save. It only takes a few minutes to switch, and it could save you a lot of money. Don't wait. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com. Savings info based on 2019 California Department of Insurance Rate Comparison Profile 38A. Individual savings may vary. Now let's get to our Beat Writers Roundtable, presented by Mercury Insurance. All right, guys, only two more of these left. Very sad. Gilbert Manzano, Southern California News Group, Daniel Popper, The Athletic, and Jeff Miller, LA Times, our Beat Writers Roundtable. Gil and I were just talking about Lil Pickle, Jimmy John's, Firehouse Subs, Training Camp. Wow. It's flown by, Jeff. Well, uh, especially with uh, the absence of Lil Pickle uh, in the uh, over the last... 15 weeks that was as we talked about at the end of training camp that was you're very high on little pickle little pickle won the preseason super bowl no question (laughs) maybe the regular season one too (laughs) i've actually gone back there several times really have you really it's good it's awesome what's the what's the go-to i'll get i get whatever the number one is it's like capicola cheese lettuce olive oil and vinegar it's great and the, the subs come out like that so you just grab it eat it and then you're out Little pickles, shout out! Yeah, the season, sponsor me, sponsor me. The season has flown by, and I think at that time we had pretty high expectations for this Chargers team. Has not gone uh, that way. Five and nine, their their worst performance against the Vikings. Seven turnovers. Have not lost any game this year by seven points. Lost by twenty nine, and I think it just unraveled. That last play of the first half really was all she wrote. Yeah, the game really, really swung there. They, you know, they were moving. At the worst, you're looking at they could be they're going to be up 13 to 12 at halftime, getting the ball coming out of the second half, and then all of a sudden the crazy play happens with the Philip fumbles, and then Austin tries to pick it up and can't pick it up, and they run it back for a touchdown. So the game completely changed at that point, and it unraveled completely. And it was really strange to see that because we have not. I mean, I've never seen. In the limited time I've been around this team, I've never seen them lose like that. I mean, the Patriots game last year in the playoffs was bad, but they at least made it respectable by the end. The other day, there was there was nothing respectable about that. The whole second half was just a nightmare. Really, the whole Anthony Lynn era in the regular season, you've rarely seen that. There was a game in 2017 in Arrowhead mm-hmm. uh, where they got blown out, but very seldom does that, that happen. That was 17 points. This was this was by far the most lopsided loss in the in the Lynn tenure. And you just don't see them fumble that much. You don't see any team fumble that much. It was pretty insane. They fumbled five times. Most since 98, right? Yeah, seven turnovers. They they fumbled five times, and then there was one Eckler fumble that Keenan Allen you know, pushed out of bounds along the sideline. And Eckler also fumbled again on a play that was blown dead, and it was just like, what's going on here? Yeah, it was and weird. I, I talked to Austin after the game. He was just like, I don't know. 
He's like, one week we're all scoring touchdowns, the next week we're all fumbling. And it's like, I don't, I, I don't view it as an effort thing. I just view it as an aberration of a game. You know, every so often you're going to go out there and fumble the ball a lot. And it's just, you know, fumbles are completely luck. Like when you look at it, when analytics people look at it, it's, it's they factor it out of a lot of their stats because it's such a lucky thing as far as who recovers it. Um, so it was, just, it was just one of those games. And then, I mean, I thought the defense played well. Mm-hmm. And the number of times that they were put in really difficult positions, four of the first seven Vikings drives started in Chargers territory, including one at the 11-yard line, uh, and they kept holding them to field goals. They kept coming up with huge possessions, huge stands to keep the Chargers in a, in a game that, re- frankly, they had no business being in. Um, but you, you turn the ball over seven times, you're not going to win. That's well, just, that's you're just right. the reality. Save for the last play of the first half, that first half was a really competitive football game. And then it just kind of, the wheels came off. And the crazy part is Dalvin Cook left that game in the third quarter with a shoulder injury. He didn't do much. Kirk Cousins didn't do much. I don't think Stephon Diggs had a couple plays here and there. But when you have turnovers and short fields, you know, the game gets away from you. And I kept trying to ask the guys, you know, what happened in that game? You know, you haven't lost like that all season. And like seven turnovers. Keep going back to that number seven. And Lynn said, I've never had seven turnovers in my life. So I think it's a game you kind of just move on and forget about it because it was kind of a nightmare. Concentration. I think that's what Coach Lynn was talking about today in his press conference, the, the concentration. And it really, it was seven, but after the third or fourth turnover, that kind of sealed their fate. Yeah, it, it, um, it, it was really a, a weird game in that, when you, you know, I think a lot of us up in the press box, we, we missed a lot of the second half because we were busy writing and doing others because there, there was no reason to watch the game anymore. And that, it, that really has never... That just doesn't happen much in the NFL for anybody, and especially the way you know all year we've been talking about these close games. These guys keep playing, so that that was uh, you know it, it was it was so hard to watch that a lot of us weren't even watching it, frankly. Oh. Uh, and I mean, there were joke. I was joking in the in the locker room afterward or Monday about there were some stats that I saw in the box where I didn't even know what happened in the game, like. I, I didn't, you know, there were a few plays. It's like, I didn't even, that happened. <laughs> Sean Mannion took a kneel? It's the like, end? really? I didn't know that you got Bowen in scored two touchdowns? So, yeah. So, yeah. but it, it, it was, I, I think Gil's exactly right. And I think, the, you know, especially where the season is, you just forget about it and move on. I think you know, Austin Eckler was saying, you know, if this was a, if this, they were in the middle of something right now and it would be maybe concerning and like, wow, what, what was that? We really got to think about this. We're in the situation they're in and where the Raiders are right now, they can just forget about it and they don't have to, you know, there's no point in laboring, you know, belaboring what this was. Just, you know, just, you know, drop it and move on. No, no I'm not trying to make a joke by saying drop it. Left it on the fumble. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yes, you are. <laughs> Yeah, Mike Boone had two shots. By that point in the game, though, the defense was just completely worn down. I mean, yeah. there's only, I mean, Gus Bradley, it's one of his principles is being great at sudden change opportunities. He says this all the time sudden change opportunities, which is effectively, you know, when the offense turns the ball over. I guess you could also include the, like a block punt in that same kind of category. And they did. They really performed well in these sudden change opportunities. It was it was four different possessions, even after the block punt. Derwin James had that tackle on third down to to force a, another field goal, and and they're still like kind of in the game. Um, but you know when you when you have five, six, seven sudden change opportunities. I mean they had seven turnovers, and they also had a block punt, so you can throw that in there yeah. too. It's really eight sudden change opportunities. Like eventually your defense isn't going to hold as as well as they were playing. Yeah, it was a bad loss. These guys are going to have to move forward, finish the season with two AFC West games to go. 0-4 in the division. You look at the Oakland Raiders coming to town. Since they beat the Chargers on Thursday Night Football, they beat the Cincinnati Bengals 17-10 and lost four in a row. So it's a team that's reeling. And for the Chargers, you, you want to feel good about something as we leave 2019 and get into 2020, new stadium, 
obviously going to be a, a new roster in some form or fashion. Uh, it'd be nice to get a, a win in the AFC West, Gil. Yeah, and, and you're, you're talking about you know maybe the future and stuff like that. Austin Eckler was saying you know you, you don't know if this could be the last time this this core this group could be together with so many contracts up it's in very the true. air. Uh, so yeah, why not have a, a good game and, and beat your rival with the, the Oakland Raiders? The last time they'll be the Oakland Raiders, and they already they already know it's going to be covered in silver and black at, at the Dignity Health Sports Park. Did I get it right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, but yeah, it's the last game there, and you you don't know what could happen after this home game. It could be Philip Rivers' last home game as well. So there's a lot up in the air, but yeah, so why not just go out and try to you know give John Gruden a loss? And there are also some some interesting storylines to play. You know, Austin Eckler could get to a thousand yards. Mike Williams could get to a thousand yards. You could potentially three have three guys. You could potentially have the first three trio of a thousand yard receivers since the 2008 Cardinals, and only the sixth one in NFL history. Um, so that's on the table. How about that, Steve Breston was the third. Yeah, in 2008. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. But then you had then you had those great uh, Colts teams where you had. Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, and Brandon Stokely that had a, a thousand yard nineteen eighty Chargers and the, yeah well and then the eighty five Chargers had three with nine hundred Lionel James wow. and uh, Colin Winslow Lionel James coming up again yeah he was a lot of Lionel James talk over the last couple of weeks awesome. huh? like quietly one of the best receiving backs of all time <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there are, I mean there are some interesting storylines and like the when it gets to this point of the season and I've covered a lot of these teams I've actually only covered these kinds of teams I've never covered a playoff team or a winner ever. Um, so I like sort of know these situations pretty well, and when you get to this point in the season, like you know, guys are playing for their contracts. Austin Eckler wants a long term deal and doesn't want to just get tendered, so he's playing for something. Mike Williams is trying to good put good tape on there, so his fifth year option gets picked up. You know, Joey Bosa is potentially holding out. Hunter Henry's playing for a new contract. You know, Philip Rivers is playing for a new contract. So as Gil was saying, like Melvin Gordon, yeah, Melvin Gordon's playing for a new contract. You know, if not here, then somewhere else. So you know, a lot of these guys, the, the, what they say is like you can't go out there and put bad tape. You know, if you put any bad tape on there, a team's going to see it and say, okay, this guy's not, not a consistent player. So that's the motivation at this point. Um, so the, I, I still think there are some interesting storylines. Obviously not as many as, say, like, you know, a playoff team, but still interesting. You know, a 5-9 and nine team probably doesn't have a lot of room to talk about play, uh, Pro Bowl snubs. But what did you guys think of Austin Eckler not even being an alternate? Based on the year that he's had, I, I, I thought that he was at least going to be a, a Pro Bowl alternate because – what he's done both on the ground and in the air, Justin Jackson was joking in the locker room that the Pro Bowl should have a flex position because that would be Austin Eckler. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. He, It was surprising. I think uh, it probably speaks to the fact that Chargers aren't having a very good season, the fact they're the Chargers and they don't have a ton of national – They don't. there's not a ton of national exposure. And uh, it, 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 it also speaks to uh, – you know, a lot of people before the season probably didn't know who Austin Eckler was or weren't really sure of who he was or what team he played for. I mean, I think a lot more people do now know who he is. But it, it was surprising he at least didn't get one of those alternate positions because he's, you know, he's done things that are, are – you know, that literally have been historic this season that, that don't happen much at all. And to not even get any kind of mention was uh, – it, it was. I think that's a legit snub that he didn't get even mentioned anywhere. Yeah, that's my thing. Like, I don't. I don't think he necessarily deserved to get into the Pro Bowl. I don't think that's a snub of him not being on the roster. But him not being an alternate to me is a huge snub. Because I went back and looked. I mean, he's eighth in the league. And who are the starters? Who are the running back starters again for the AFC? Yeah, Chubb. Uh, Henry. Very deserving. Derrick Henry. Henry and Mark Ingram. Yeah. So all deserving. All deserving. Ingram's had a huge season. Um, Eckler's eighth in the league in scrimmage yards. The guys in ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth were all either alternates or in. And Eckler's eighth in the league in touchdowns with eleven. 
So it seems like an. Did you I mean, tweet that? I saw that tweet. That was a good. Tweet. Yeah, like Joe Mixon being an alternate over him doesn't make a lot of sense. Eckler has better stats across the board than Joe Mixon. I think maybe one of the things that was an issue is that he hasn't had a particularly great ball, great season running the ball. He's been obviously more of a receiver, and that's where a lot of his scrimmage yards are coming from. So for a running back to make it as a running back when you haven't run that much. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably what it is. And I think Justin Jackson brings up a really good point. Like if there was a flex, like offensive playmaker, like he's probably in the conversation. And I, that, that's probably what it came down to because you still have a lot of, you know, you know, coaches and even older players that don't really think, you know, accept this new age where it's like, okay, you know, passing the ball is <laughs> more efficient than running the ball. So a guy that can catch the ball like the way Austin Eckler is is extremely valuable, maybe more valuable than a guy that can run the ball. Um, but I think that's probably a factor in it. But I, th- I think it's a no-brainer that he should have been an alternate. Don't they have a flex spot for the All-Pro? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I'm not saying it's an All-Pro, but they have it there on the All-Pro. Why not do it on the Pro Bowl? Uh, but, yeah, I, I think, like you guys were saying, you know, because Austin Eckler is not really viewed as a running back. I, I think he is. He, he, he proved this year he could run between the tackles, do a little bit of everything. But the 11 touchdowns, approaching 1,000 receiving yards. Uh, I'm not sure if he had a drop last week. I think that was an underthrown ball, but he doesn't drop the ball ever. Never. He's reliable, uh, a playmaker, a game changer. He had three touchdowns at the season opener. So I think it is a snub for Austin Eckler. But uh, how about Casey Hayward? I thought Casey Hayward had a good year also as a cornerback. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had that, that streak of uh, one one catch allowed in four games. So I, I think that's also another guy on defense, at least, if you got a you know, kind of deserving of a spot for the Chargers. Yeah, Great. you know, when – you're five and nine. It's it's hard to make a huge case when you're winning. Like the Chargers had the most Pro Bowlers last year. The Ravens had twelve. A record twelve this year, which is incredible. A record for the when the initial rosters are announced because the not like the I think the ninety seven Cowboys had thirteen after alternates were moved in. Okay, so there you go. They, but they probably will beat that after yeah. you know because they, they have alternates as well. Yeah. Unless, I think, unless they get to the Super Bowl. Going back to Casey, though, I feel like he probably was on a pro ball trajectory and then just had a really bad game against the Broncos. Yeah. Cortland Sutton had two touchdowns against him, and that probably derailed his chances, even though a lot of the voting might have happened before then. But I, I'm still with Gil. I think, I think he should have been in the conversation. No arguments um, with Joey Bosa, Keenan yeah. Allen. Keenan Allen's third straight, Joey Bosa's second, uh, and probably first of many with, with Nick in Orlando with him. Yeah. Here's a stat for Keenan I threw out there that was in my Monday Rewind. So... Three players have had at least three straight seasons with 1,000 yards and 90 catches. Keenan Allen's one of them. The other two are DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas, who actually has an active streak of four. Those who's on only... pace for 700 catches right. this year. Those are the, those are the, those are the only guys with uh, active streaks of at least three seasons with those stats. So, I mean, like, we keep talking about this. I think Keenan Allen gets overlooked, is still overlooked, has always been overlooked. He's To me, he's a top-five receiver in the league and doesn't get enough credit. In terms of because he said his whole thing is cons- stay consistent, stay available, and he really lives up to it. And the thing I think what hurts Keenan in that regard is too. I I keep, hate to keep saying this, but when you play for the Chargers, you're going to be sort of forgotten. I mean, let's be honest. And the other thing is he doesn't what Keenan doesn't do, and it's he gets penalized because he's so consistent. Is he does he doesn't do spectacular things, right? Like how like what's the what's the one moment of you saw him do something like that's just incredible that he just did that. Yeah. Like I mean the jump ball the jump ball against the Colts was the one in the end zone. But that was yeah. really you're right. It's really the and then I mean the the play that would have been it was the, the touchdown against the Dolphins that got called back right. inexplicably. Yeah. That would, yeah, when that he took have. a slant fifty five yards and took yeah. that guy out of his shoes. So but you're right. It's it's I mean it's so he doesn't he, yeah. he doesn't have that flash like wow you know you know we've you seen Mike Williams take for Keenan seems like yeah it. what yeah, a great segue into right. maybe Mike Williams who had another thirty nine yard catch on Sunday and his 
done this at a rapid clip now. He just doesn't have the touchdown numbers and maybe the targets and the catches, obviously. Yeah. But this guy is a budding star. I, I think if you could consistently find a place for him in the game plan, this guy's the limit for 81. I think he's kind of, you know, taking attention away from Keenan Allen because of those big plays, those 40-yard catches, uh, you know, those, all those deep bombs, that those those plays in primetime games against KC and, and Oakland. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I think he is a guy who's gonna on the. It's, it seems like he, we keep saying he's gonna be on the verge of that next step to be that you know that that next star. Uh, but this year, I think he's really taking the next step to be reliable. I think you said it last week, uh, uh, Popper, that he's consistent at getting 40 yard catches, and that's pretty uh, crazy to do for a guy his size. Yeah, like it's however he was going to do it, he just needed to find some way to be consistent, and consistently impact the game. And if it's like I was saying last week, if it's a, if it's a catch. For, of 40 yards every week, you take that to the bank. The one thing that, looking back at the stats that I can't wrap my mind around is, like, he only has six red zone targets this season. That's Mike his, Williams. Like, that's the same number as Austin Eckler. I mean, like, yeah. you saw it in the game on Sunday. Like, if, you, if he's one-on-one on the outside and you throw it up to him, he's going to catch it every single time. Yeah. And how is he not among the league leaders in red zone targets? That's what I don't understand. How is that I mean, possible? He, that, he, he was six inches taller than that Hughes the other day. He yeah. caught that ball over these six inches. Like I, you're right. I don't understand. Like there's so many times, and, and I was kind of half joking, but not is like I'm not smart enough to be a football coach because I don't get what they do. Like I don't understand why you wouldn't just throw him the ball in that situation all the time. Like why are why are you bothering throwing to anybody else? And it's, I guess it's just not that simple. It can't be because otherwise they. He would did have it. one drop. He did have one drop on on a play like that. But in the I mean, you know, there is yeah. something to be said about getting about getting too cute and there's also something to be said about like the number of playmakers they have and you want to spread the ball around and like and also Anthony Lynn's mentality a guy it was a running back as a professional football player was a running backs coach like in his mind and his philosophy if you're at the one yard line and you have a pro ball running back like that guy's got to get that yard like that's it and that like if you're not going to get that yard then you're not good enough to be my running back and that's just sort of a philosophy thing but going back like I just I feel like you know, we talked about like the touchdown drought he was on. You know, how much of that is the fact that they just weren't targeting him in the red zone when they should have been? Because he's a he's a weapon there. He's he's enormous and, and extremely strong at the point of catch, and, yeah. and rarely doesn't come down with these jump ball situations. Very rarely. When you score ten points and you have these weapons, you know, Keenan had ten targets, Mike had nine, Eckler and Gordon had seven apiece. Hunter only had two, two for twenty nine yards. I think there just there needs to be a way to to figure out. Okay. How are you going to spread the ball around evenly and score more than 10 points with these weapons? Because they have the guys to do it. Every guy just named has either been to the Pro Bowl or is in, a, in the conversation as best young tight end or best young wide receiver in, in Mike Williams's case or breakout guy like Austin Eckler. There are a lot of guys here. I think it's a matter of getting to the red zone and then finding a way to convert uh, whether it's running the ball or, or through the air because they certainly have the weapons on offense to do it. And these guys, for the most part, are all coming back next year. And when you can't keep the ball, though, I think if you're turning the ball over, you don't you don't have that rhythm. You That's can't it. find it. Yep. We saw it in the last game uh, in Oakland on that first drive that Rivers and, and Keenan were marching down, but he overthrew him, and it was an interception. Comes back, Eric Harris. Uh, you know, they get a pick six later, but yeah, every time you get there, because if you look at the stats, total yards, yardage, they're they're they're, they're, they're one of the best, you know. And I think I, I saw a stat that they've lost six games this year when they've kind of out totaled the opponent, so they're moving the ball. They just can't. Like get in there that the turnovers the red zone struggles so I think that that kind of tells you something but yeah last week it was kind of a we don't recognize this team because they do at least get the yards and they and they they keep it get competitive uh, but I, but I think those turnovers are going to kill you every day 
I just don't understand how Hunter Henry can only have two targets. And the, he didn't. Game. He didn't have one. I think it was the third, was quarter, like quarter, quarter before yeah, he, he got his first. So. This happened. I want to say in the Broncos game, and it, I yeah. asked about it in a press conference to both Shane and Anthony Lynn. Shane Sykin, the offensive coordinator, and it was like, well, you know, we have so many playmakers that sometimes guys don't get the ball. Like that doesn't that doesn't ring true for me. Like that excuse doesn't make sense to me. Like the guy, it's pretty clear to me that when they get Hunter Henry involved early, their offense just opens up. He's such a difference maker, such a playmaker. He's such a mismatch in the middle of the field, especially when he's going up against a linebacker. Like to me, it makes sense to just target him early and get him involved early, and then everything opens up for the offense. So I don't know, like, now it's sort of a trend. Like, that game was like, okay, standalone, like, all right, maybe it was just the game plan or the way that the game unfolded. But now you have two games since the bye week where he's only where he's been targeted three or fewer times, and it's like, what's going on? Well, the turnover thing is a big deal. And I hammered this last week, but the, the stat is even more glaring now. In their five wins, three total turnovers in those five wins. In their nine losses, 26 total turnovers. Wow. That tells you all you need to know. They're last in the league in turnover differential. That's, that tells tied you all, with the, tied yeah. with the Bengals. And you, you can't do it against a team like the Vikings, who you know, I know Kirk threw an interception, but he had four going in, in all season. So when you take care of the football, you, you have to do that against really any team in the NFL, especially the good ones, because that was not Jacksonville last Sunday, Minnesota. And also, you're not turning other teams over at the same rate yeah. as you were last year. Now we I mean that's something to sort of talk about after the season. We got to go back and figure out exactly what happened there and why they're not forcing turnovers, but it, it, like I was saying before with the fumbles being kind of lucky, like you do have to get bounces. Like you cannot rely on forcing lots of turnovers every year unless you have like an exceptionally talented defense. I think this defense is very talented, but I don't think you're talking about the 85 Bears or the 2000 Ravens. Um, you know, and I, I also they haven't been sacking the quarterback. The pressure rate is is like twenty fourth in the league, but they're twenty eighth in sacks. Their third, the guy with the third leading sacks on the team is Desmond King with two and a half. Like that, they ha- so like you're you're when you're turning the ball over as much as you are on offense, you're not forcing turnovers or getting the quarterback on defense. Like that's a recipe for five and nine. And it's it's funny we're talking about this because I think the defense has played well. I you know this whole season, I think mm-hmm. the defense has played. What I would say is they've played well enough for this team to be in the middle of whatever they want to be in the middle Especially of. Especially considering that Derwin's been out. Yes, you know? and and yet here we are talking about how they haven't, like, Joey Bosa's in the Pro Bowl, Melvin Ingram's an alternate to go to the Pro Bowl, and yet they're where they are in the league in sacks is incredible. And the fact, and it, it it's it, it's it's mind boggling that they wouldn't be higher than that. And it it's so. The, the defense, imagine if the defense was making plays, which basically that's what we're talking about. They're not getting sacks. They're not getting turnovers. That's when you make plays, you know, game-changing plays, and they're not doing that, yet their defense has still played yeah. played decently and well enough. So if they were making those plays on defense, you, you know, these guys would we'd be talking, everybody around the league would be talking about what a great defense the Chargers have. And I think, too, sometimes it's just catching lightning in a bottle sometimes throughout the course of a season. and. When Drew Tranquil in year two and Derwin James are on the field together uh, with Joey and Melvin, and hopefully you see some development out of Jerry Tillery, uh, Justin Jones continues to develop, Nazir Adderley, who was a ball hawk, we didn't see him all year. So they're going to have the pieces and the potential to do it. It's just a matter of, okay, can you, do, can you have that bend but not break defense, but also couple that with turning the ball over and helping out your offense too? Yeah, I was talking to Derwin James on Sunday, and I'm asking him, like, you know what? What's not what's not going right? You're back. Adrian Phillips is back. Though it seems like the whole 
team is back together. You guys are one and two as a group now, as a whole, besides Mike, Mike Pouncey. He's like, there's no chemistry. We didn't have time to gel together. Guys are figuring that out in training camp or yep. in September, and you can't just expect guys to kind of roll out there and figure everything out and, and be the same team that were a year ago. Um, but, yeah, I think they kind of finally realized, like, they, they got, I think Derwin said, behind the eight ball, and they, they, they just couldn't find a momentum. And now that you're out of the season, maybe, you know, you see one turnover or two, you're like, okay, well, we're not really in the playoffs. Or, you know, you kind of get a letdown, so – but, yeah, I think, you know, next year, you know, you can't control these injuries, but hopefully for them, you know, they get some chemistry now and you move in a positive note and, you know, keep it going for next year. That's why it's – I mean, that's why it's so important for them to make sure that Joey Bosa is happy. And if he does want a contract extension, you give it to him because without him, you have nobody with more than five and a half sacks on the team. You know, you're you're already 28th in sacks with a guy who's got ten and a half sacks. What are you without him, you know? And, and I the, think – and you're – Pop's exactly right. And look – I you know you can look back on this now and and you know look like a, like you know oh I knew this all along but I think even back at the beginning of the season there were concerns about the fact that Melvin Gordon wasn't here yeah, Russell Lacoon wasn't here I mean those guys and not knowing they were both not here and it looked like and it turned out to be long term for both of them that we didn't know how long before they were going to be here if they go into next season and the season starting and and Joy Bosa's not here. It's, we're, they're going to be in that same situation again, and and hopefully nobody else is going through a situation like Russell Lacoon had to go through. But I mean, who knows? Maybe there's someone else has got it, and they're they're starting off again in the same situation that they were this year. I, and I don't think the, you know, it, like I said, it's easy to look back now now, but even back then, I think we we're thinking that th- this could have an Im- impact, and I think it did. It definitely had an impact that they. You know, they went into the season without all their guys, and then it, it just, you know, and obviously with Derwin James, it took forever for him to come back. So by the time he got back, it was over. But it, they don't want to – I mean, and if you're a fan of this team, you don't want us all writing about Joey Bosa not being here next at the end of July and then into August, and then here comes September. He's still not here. And, we, you know, you don't want to be reading that as a Charger fan, and, and nobody in this in, in this facility wants that to happen. So they, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in that. You know, of all the contracts that, you know, who unsigned guys and all that, the Joey Bosa is right there. It's going to be really interesting to see what he does and what, what they do. NFL teams from the end of the season to, you know, end of the draft – the, the turnover and free agency, uh, teams start to look a lot different, some more drastic than others. This team still has two games to go. Uh, we'll do, we do this every week. We'll do it again. Just maybe a player that you're watching on Sunday. It also may be moving it forward to 2020, somebody that you want to see kind of take that next step as the Chargers move their focus to the new stadium and uh, a new season next year. Well, I think – we're going to see I – don't, I don't think Russell Lacoon is going to play this week, so we may see Trey Pipkins again. And he's a guy who, you know, that, that they they took thinking that maybe this could be a long-term solution. And so if he gets a chance to play, we'll maybe see what he can do. And he, I think he's played decently the, the limited time he's gotten. And uh, I, I, he's, he's probably – I would guess he's probably played better than maybe they thought he would given where his background, where he came from, and the amount of development that was going to have to happen. So I, I think, you know, he's a guy who – he could be a big part of the future of this this franchise if he can develop, and so he, you know, he may get a chance to pl- to play a bunch Sunday, and that you know th- these these last two weeks could be really big for a guy like that. Yeah, a third round pick who got some action against the Raiders the first time around. Yeah, what about you, Daniel? Um, I'm it, this is not a young guy, but it's definitely going to affect the future. I'm I'm still watching Philip Rivers. I mean, 
it seems like every week you go, everyone's sort of arguing like, okay, well, only one of the interceptions was bad, and the other two <laughs> came in a scenario where yeah. the game was already lost. Um, I mean, and he even says, well, seven isn't a number that truly indicates how we played in terms of the turnovers, and I don't look at the amount of interceptions I've thrown because a lot of them have come in certain situations, so on and so on. I, I want to see the guy go out and play a complete game like he did against the Jaguars and do it in back-to-back weeks. Finish the season with two games where you're protecting the football and you show that you're able to do it against the Raiders. Who are a, you know, I know they've been on a losing streak, but it was a decent, a decent team. And against the Chiefs, a really good team. And like he said, he hopes that the Chiefs are playing for a bye, so they, they're actually throwing out their, their first-teamers out there. Do it in back-to-back weeks. Back-to-back weeks where you protect the football and show at least some glimmer that you can still do it at a high level in this league without committing the turnovers that have been absolutely backbreaking for this team and as we've discussed are the primary reason why they're five and nine, even ahead of the injuries for me. So yep. Phillip Rivers is my guy. And it's sixty two yards rushing as a team last Sunday, almost kind of reverting back to earlier in the year when they just couldn't run the football. You have to establish the run so Phillip can can have that time and, and be balanced as an offense. Well, yeah, so I'm just going to say Melvin Gordon, so you give me a good segue Read, there. Reading your mind, yeah, Gil. You're, you're wow, you guys are on, on the same page. Same page Gil got here early. Yeah. We were talking. Oh, okay. We were, we were a week day. 16, but we finally a did A little it. rehearsal, all right. But uh, also speaking of turnovers. say. <laughs> the turnovers and the rushing attack. You know, Melvin Gordon had two of those fumbled and couldn't get a rhythm uh, last week. Uh, but, yeah, we talked about the holdout. uh shaky year you know for melvin gordon he's also a free agent and you know why not finish these, these next two games with, you know with the bangs showing that you're still one of the top running backs he's kind of been overlooked right now by austin eckler uh he's the one that was a pro bowl snub nobody really mentioned melvin gordon so for him to have two more games uh against uh, the raiders and the chiefs two abc uf rivals why not you know get 100 yards of rushing and a couple of touchdowns and kind of make it interesting for yourself in the offseason melvin probably had his best game this year against the raiders right in, in Oakland? That's right. Yeah. 108 yeah. yards rushing. Yeah. He did. That was game? Yeah. Also played well against the Packers. Packers, I too. Had, I don't think he had as many yards as he had against Oakland. No. Oh. That was a good one, Gil. Thank you. Good one, Gil. I was going to take yours, but then we went with Rivers, so I had to switch it up. I'm sad that this is almost over. Can we? Do we get one more next week? Yeah, we get one more. Okay, nice. we get one more. We could do an end-of-season one. And just, I, was, I was joking with Daniel that I could put the banter between you two <laughs> – and turn it into like a best of. Yeah. There'd be a lot of good ones from Nashville to two weeks ago. Nothing to... lately though. You guys have been a, you know, good good buddies now, huh? Yeah, it's kind of boring, isn't it? It's for me. It's indifference. You ever gonna yeah. get that beer with <laughs> Daniel in I Kansas don't, City? I don't have the energy. <laughs> no, Jeff's never gonna get a beer with me. It's fine. <laughs> See, now you set me up to say something, and I'm choked. I'm completely choked. You to, you're, gonna have, you're gonna have to get a beer with me in Kansas City because we're all going out together. That's so. right. Yeah, we are gonna do that in Kansas unless City, unless so. you, you know, if what if he knows shows? Yeah, you, know, oh, <laughs> you just you know come down with a mystery illness. I'll, I'll, uh, no, I'm gonna be there, and uh, you and I, we maybe we should do a keg stand. <laughs> wow, Whoa. maybe we should just go right off the top rope. All right. I'm down if you're down. I promise you, <laughs> listeners, we will tape that if that were to go down. <laughs> Gentlemen, always appreciate it. We will see you next week. Adios. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to all of our guests. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Remember, be sure to subscribe to the all-new Chargers Podcast Network. Wherever you listen to podcasts, we are everywhere. You can find us on Spotify and SoundCloud now as well. Also want to give a shout-out to a specific listener that I met in Oakland, big Chargers fan, Carlos Bernal. Carlos, always appreciate you listening. We love all of our listeners. 
Thanks for all your support all season long. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and until next time, I'm Chris Hayreed.